Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Coffee and Football right here on On Texas Football, presented by Adam Lowy and the Lowy Law Firm. And guys, we are, I'm your host, Blake Monroe, joined by Bobby Burton and Jerry Hamilton, both of On3 and Inside Texas. Forgot that for a second. Uh, but we're 72 hours until game day. Texas fans, they are already asking, what's the latest on JT Sanders and Ryan Watts? Yeah, and his grandpa says he's playing on Facebook. So <laughs> I, don't doubt the grandfather, uh, guys. Uh, but uh, truly, uh, he was uh, in and out of practice on uh, Tuesday. Did not practice much is what I heard. Uh, but look, as Jerry and I talked about before, this guy is going to try to go. You know he is. Uh, that's just the way it is. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian called him day-to-day on Monday. Uh, the Longhorns need J.T. Sanders in this game, even if it's just the thought of J.T. Sanders. Rod Babers will uh, go on and on about what he does to a defense uh, and make people accountable in that, especially if Texas wants to run the ball and keep the linebackers for OU honest. Uh, but the, that is the very latest on J.T. Sanders, uh, at least from a, a – uh, a family member on Facebook, he's expected to play, but we consider him right now day-to-day based on what we're hearing. My, my take on this is unless the uh, Texas training staff puts him in a body cast, <laughs> he's going to try to go Saturday. It's his last Red River showdown. He, uh, it's a Denton-Ryan reunion on the field Saturday. Um, this guy hasn't gone through 5-7 and seven and 8-5 and five last year and now having a shot at some big things to sit on the sidelines and street close Saturday, short of the UT training staff sitting him and Sark down and saying, this guy cannot go. It's jeopardizing his career and season. There's an off week after that. You don't need him to beat U of H the week after that, even though it's on the road. Um, you can rest JT Sanders and get him through the next couple of weeks, but they got, he's going to try to go Saturday. There's no doubt about it unless he falls down the stairs tonight or something. <laughs> please don't do that yeah, please. yeah that would be my that would be my res- response to that one jerry we don't need anybody going down those stairs that is a text you take, take take the ramp don't take the stairs that's my that's my comment well hey guys before we get into questions and all that let's talk about quarterbacks for a little bit quinn ewers of course ascending on mel copper's draft board he was recently named to the uh johnny united golden arm award top 25 list and Bobby, I know you've been doing a deep dive into some stats uh, and amongst other things. So I'm going to let, let's talk about that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I really I wanted to look at this game uh, from a quarterback perspective. Quarterback, whoever plays better as a quarterback, a lot of times wins this game. Right. That's just the reality of it. Uh, the Sooners have had the edge at quarterback over Texas for the better part of a decade. And that's one of the reasons why they've, they've won this game so often. That being said, uh, OU right now, and Brent Venables came out and really talked highly of his sixth-year quarterback, Dylan Gabriel. Gabriel had a suffered a, a really bad injury and, and ended up transferring out of the UCF to uh, um, Oklahoma a year ago. Had a good year and then got clipped, uh, not clipped, he got hit in the head uh, uh, against TCU and missed the o- Texas OU game. Uh, since that time, Gabriel has been nothing but consistent. I mean, he really has been a consistent player for them. He's averaging and completing more than 75% of his passes. What I like about him is he's effective in the red zone, makes quick decisions in the red zone. 
Uh, and then also he spreads the ball around, guys. Eight different Sooners have TD, TD receptions this year. That's pretty significant, in my opinion. Uh, the other thing that I noticed, and this is a stat perspective for Dylan Gabriel, he runs the ball a little uh, as well. 11 rushes versus Cincinnati. That's not necessarily a good thing if you want to keep him healthy against Texas, in my opinion. Eight rushes against Iowa State last week, eight against SMU. Anytime they have a problem establishing the run without the running backs, Dylan Gabriel takes on an increased role in the overall run game, and he's not a big guy. So I'm not – he's an effective runner, but he's not this big guy that's going to necessarily break long ones. I, I think that could be a, a small key to this game that many people aren't talking about. If Texas forces D Dylan Gabriel to run, what happens? Yeah, for sure. I mean, look, I, I, I would be cautious if I was Oklahoma running him Saturday. I mean, uh, but at the same time, I can't be a hypocrite at the same time and sit here and say Brent Venables has to take chances and risks on defense. Uh, if you think, if you're going into this game saying, okay, Texas has an advantage on us in the trenches, we have to do everything we can outside of that to win a football game. Because the Oklahoma fans won't care. Hey, we play conservative. They were just better. The Oklahoma fans don't want to hear that. There's pressure on Brent Venables and the staff after 49 nothing last year. So while they want to keep Dylan Gabriel healthy for the rest of the season, they can't play conservative Saturday. They don't have that option. They just don't. So if they're, they, I, they will try to uh, use Dylan Gabriel. I don't know if he'll run 11 times. If he does, that's, that's not a good sign for Oklahoma. That means their run game's going nowhere. Uh, but they cannot play conservative in this game. There's no chance the Oklahoma fan base will not accept it if they play conservative and lose after 49 nothing last year. So they're going to throw the kitchen sink Saturday. Yep, I, I will say this. So, so to be fair and honest, that Quinn Ewers on the year is hitting at 65-plus percent. Uh, Jerry, when we – you and I talked about this preseason, right? What did we want to see from Quinn Ewers? What were the kind of numbers we thought he had to have to make Texas an effective team, right? You and I talked about that. And what were the what were the stats? We said we said 65% completion ratio, four to one TD to interception. Well, TD to interception is is rocking right now. He's he's 10 to one yeah. in that category. The other one is that that he's come up on the last couple of weeks is his actual overall stats uh, for the season. He now is right at 66% for the season. Uh, Jerry. And so he did not start strong, but he is creeping up. And I think, look, I think the, the sophomore from uh, Southlake is getting better. We're watching him mature. This week will be the most interesting to me because even though Nick Saban is a defensive coach, Jerry, Brent Venables is a little bit more of a risk taker on defense. He, like you just mentioned, he will try to light Quinn, Quinn Ewers up. Yeah, uh, here's my my thought for Quinn this week, and I'm going to have a piece on Inside Texas here in a little while, the five most important players Saturday uh, for Texas. Like I put I put that story out before the Alabama game. Um, Venables is going to bring corners. He's going to bring nickel. He's going to blitz from the edges, in my opinion. And I've always been one early in the season said blitz uh, pocket quarterback up the middle, up the middle. 
I think he's going to bring it off the edges because Quinn's getting too comfortable in the pocket. I think that's why he's going to bring blitzes off the edges. They, he, Quinn's got to have a different look. He's got to be thinking, okay, where's the blitz coming from? Not just thinking Oklahoma's going to pressure me up the middle. You saw Gentry Williams blitz against Iowa State, even if it was a run blitz. I think Brent Venables is going to be bringing guys from all over the place, and I think he's definitely going to be bringing them from the edges because he wants Quinn thinking about things other than pressure in the pocket. I think he's that's the way you try to get him out of rhythm right now because Quinn is in a good rhythm. And I think he knows, I think Venables knows, that if he doesn't have some pressure from the outside against Quinn, Quinn's starting to really just climb in the pocket and get comfortable climbing in the pocket. He knows the Texas receivers are at an advantage in this game, even though his defensive backs are improved. If it's a clean pocket and Quinn steps in, that arm talent's going to get the ball out on time to the receivers in the intermediate game. And that's what he cannot have. You bring blitz, you bring blitzes off the edge, you're going to force Quinn to get the ball out of his hand quicker before those intermediate routes develop. For sure. All right, y'all. Well, before we get to these questions, and uh, we have a lot of them to get to, I need to tell everybody <laughs> about Caldera Lab. And uh, with me being outside, I know that I need to take care of my skin as much as possible. Caldera Labs products help me do just that in an easy, time-saving manner. I use the regimen twice a day, just as directed, and I'm already noticing results just after a couple of weeks. I'm telling you guys, it's the real deal. Caldera Lab creates high-performance men's skincare products, and the regimen leads off their product lineup. It's a twice-a-day routine to transform your skin. It includes three products, the Clean Slate, the Base Layer, and the Good. The Clean Slate starts and ends your day. It's a face wash that'll leave all skin types refreshed. The base layer is your daily moisturizer to hydrate your skin and jumpstart your day full of confidence. And the good is your go-to multifunctional serum at night that helps your skin look tighter and smoother, as well as helps reduce the visibility of wrinkles and fine lines. Every drop of the serum is packed with 3.4 million antioxidant units protecting your skin. One minute in the morning, one minute at night is all it takes to reduce your wrinkles, fine lines, and signs of aging. And right now, you can get 20% off your order with code ONTEXAS at calderalab.com. That's 20% off at calderalab.com with code ONTEXAS. Go check it out and let it work for you. So we want to thank them for sponsoring today's show. And as I said, guys, we got lots of questions, so let's just jump right in. Hey, hey Blake, Blake, before we do that, I want to ask yeah. this of you and Jerry, and this comes from the Inside Texas message board from Ewers Barber. Do we think Sark saved some red zone plays just for OU and Britt Venables? I think I, I, I'm going to say this, and Rod mentioned this, this in the post game, and I agree with him, Jerry. Remember the, the, the fake – for Quinn Ewers, and he kept it around end uh, for the touchdown. I guarantee you that was specifically for OU to keep their backside guy from collapsing agree. too much. I, I mean, agree. and Jerry Connect, their their backside guy collapses a lot, and that I'm not so sure that wasn't almost purposeful. So whether he saved a bunch of uh, a bunch of plays for him, I don't know. I, it would be near coaching malpractice not to save something for OU if you know you are the Texas coach just like it would be near coaching malpractice not to save some 
for uh, the OU coach as well. Uh, we'll see how this goes, but uh, I, I think he saved a little something and has set some stuff up over time as well. How much? I don't. I don't know. I do agree with you on the uh, on on the Quinn deal at the end of the game. I truly do think that was for OU, <laughs> but. I mean, this far into the season, I don't know how much you're saving, per se. Maybe a couple of plays, but I just don't think it's a lot. What do you think, Jerry? Well, my thought right now is um, I'm hoping he doesn't have to use them and just runs the ball. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's true, too. I agree with that. But, you know, I think you're going to have to do something to mix it up because Britton Venables is too good a, a defensive coach not to just let people sit back and run their same stuff. He'll – He'll have them coached up, and to the point of 49 to nothing last year, I think OU's got some motivated players not to be embarrassed again. Oh, there's no doubt. There's no doubt about it. I think Oklahoma's improved at linebacker, too. Their, their experienced Stutzman's very good. Um, uh, but I think this Deshaun McCulloch can run uh, with tight ends. I think he's got that ability with size. They're better at linebacker. They're more active at linebacker. They're, they're better at defensive back. If nothing else, they're more experienced. Um, but the whole deal is if they're, he's a, Brent's a tremendous defensive coach, obviously. Um, the, if their D line doesn't hold up, it ain't going to matter. Yep. I agree. Hey, hey, by the way, we had a good question. Bobby Brown asked comparing Oklahoma OL and DL. There you go to Bama. Um, offensive line, more, more experienced. It tackled in Bama, even though J.C. Latham's a three-year starter because Caden Proctor's a true freshman in game two against Texas. Um, I think Oklahoma, I think Alabama, while their offensive line's not nearly as talented or good as it has been in some years, I, I do think they're better than Oklahoma on the interior. I, I think I think Booker, uh, and, and it makes them better. Um, I, I just I think they're better on the interior than Oklahoma is, Bobby. Uh, D-line. No comparison. I mean, when you combine the um, the edges with the D-line for Alabama, there's just no comparison between the two. Alabama's much better. Dallas Turner's a different breed. Um, five and a half, what, he's had five and a half sacks this year now. Um, so that I, I just don't think there's a comparison there. I, I love I love the the Jerry Connect for OU. I think he's gonna be a tremendous player. Only a, he's a true sophomore, he's out of Kansas. Kind of that raw bone guy. I, he's not Dallas Turner yet, though, to Jerry's point. Um, as far as the OU offensive line in comparison to the uh, the Alabama offensive line, I agree with Jerry. I, I'm not so sure that – here's. I thought Bama was particularly weak at center and particularly weak at left tackle. Um, I think that uh, – I think that – OU is different. They're particularly strong at tackle on both sides and then good good to decent at center. Their, their, uh, their guards are either not proven yet, but talented, or not all the – I mean, I feel like the interior OU's line is more questionable than Alabama's was, whereas I think the exterior is, is better. So their pass protection – actually may be better if they can bunch it up in there. Um, I would assume that Texas is going to try to bring the blitz here. I mean, that, that's 
if you can cross up their their guard center guard, uh, you're going to get to Dylan Gabriel and push him up the middle. He throws well on the run, but he likes sitting in the pocket and kind of just picking out where he's going to go. Pressure up the middle will will affect him, I think. And he's got it. I think because of that, they're going to try to get the ball out quick early in the game for sure. To answer Longest Horn's question, he's 6'7", 327. I just looked it up. So there you go. Yep. Big kids. All right, guys, let's jump into some of these super chats. We got one right here from Dax Kelm. Thank you, Dax. And he says, who do you take as your quarterback, a third-year yours or a sixth-year Gabriel? Well, in this game, yeah, well, I think overall, obviously, you take Quinn. Uh, this game, especially, Quinn's played in it before. Had a really good game. Um, Gabriel, I'm, you know, I'm not being mean. He may not remember the game last year. Um, so... Look, I think uh, I think in Sark's scheme, you take Quinn. I, I would say this. This is my point. In Sark's scheme, I would take Quinn, and in uh, Jeff Levy's scheme, I'd take Gabriel. I, I I really believe that. I think these guys are tailor made. Gabriel is a pinpoint passer. Uh, yours is more of that big arm guy, Jerry. And I I think they both fit the systems uh, really well. Yeah, I think in this game, I, I take uh, I take Quinn. Um, yeah, the the, re- the reason being is one, he's pl- he's playing at a very high level this year. He's just in year two being a starter now. I mean, we're just now three games into what would be his sophomore year when you count that he missed three games of freshman. Uh, I, I think you know more what Dylan Gabriel is. Um, I also th- I also like Quinn in this game because they have played competition this year. I think the one thing, if the Texas D line has success, is Dylan Gabriel's going to be feeling heat that he hasn't played under this year. The type of duress he hasn't had to play under this year. I agree with that. Hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah. If the Texas D line does their job. Yeah, hopefully. I agree. Uh, does D- Gil- Dylan Gabriel look like Chase Daniel? No, Chase Daniel had an NFL arm. Dylan Gabriel has NFL accuracy but i don't think he has an nfl arm chase daniel has an nfl arm all right this next one guys is another super chat and it's from tango lima foxtrot and he says what do we think sark has dialed up on offense this week how many new looks do we get i think it's a great question bobby guy and blake here's the here's the thing he's got to have a lot of different things dialed up this week because he doesn't – the one thing is, we know JT Sanders will try to go Saturday. We just don't know what his effectiveness will be. So he's got to have a game plan with JT Sanders and without in the passing game. Bottom line. Because JT could go out there, and that first time he cuts, he limps off. Remember Adrian Peterson's first carry, and he limps off, and you're like, okay, this he's not going to be a factor. So he's got to have a lot. Sark's got to have a lot of prep this week. He's got to have prep with JT and without JT. Um, So that puts a lot on Sark's plate because he's got to have multiple ways to attack Oklahoma with different personnel, which people say, well, he does that anyways. Yeah, but JT Sanders has always been a big part of that. He's got to prepare this week like he's not in some form or fashion. I'm interested to see if he goes empty. If, if, uh, Quinn Ewers, uh, or if Steve Sarkeesian doesn't try empty formation, I'm I'm interested in what he does with the Big 12 personnel. I mean, there may be some some oddities that he can throw in there. I, I to Jerry's point, 
the the variety that Texas can throw at op opponents is really interesting, right? I mean, if you're Brent Venables, you got to kind of pick your poison. Okay, what are we going to do well against Texas, right? Are we going to make Quinn beat us or are we going to make um, the run game, allow the run game to beat us? What are we going to do? And I think that, that OU is going to stack up to beat the run and then fake a blitz and try to get Quinn to turn the ball over. That that's my that's my if I were OU, that's what I would try to do. Yeah. Is try to stop the run early and make them try to throw and then be faking blitzes and try to get into passing lanes. Because they do have good linebackers in the passing lanes. Um uh, will I that be successful? I don't know. Bobby, I think that's the big thing is if JT Sanders is not effective, he shows he's can't really he's not the same guy running down the field or he can't go. That frees up a different defender for Venables to bring on a blitz. Bottom line, that gives him another option. That makes it tougher on Quinn and Sark. All right. Well, this next one here is from William Niche, and he says the Red River rivalry game always has one player who rises up and leads their team to victory. Who you got for this Saturday? He's personally taking Catalan. He thinks he'll get more playing time with nine tackles, one interception, and one strip fumble. That's quite the stat line right hey, there. Hey, did y'all read – did you read the uh, article by Ian Boyd yesterday, guys? Did you see that, Jerry, on, on Inside Texas? A little bit of it, yeah, yeah. Oh, my goodness. I mean, Ian did a little deep dive on uh, Jalen Catalan to just show what a difference maker he is in the run game. And what a difference maker he can be overall. And he looks like, I mean, we talk about being shot out of a cannon. He's shot out of a cannon sometimes. I mean, yeah. he sees it and he goes as well as any linebacker Texas has had. Yeah. And um, look, he's in he's in the article I've coming out in the top five, the five most important players. His best game of the year is against Bama. If you go back to the year he was a freshman All-American, he had 59 tackles in the six games against ranked opponents for Arkansas. And that included one against AM where he got hurt early in that game. Uh, he put up monster games against Alabama, Georgia, Florida, LSU. He's a guy who, when the lights are the brightest, tends to have his biggest games. Uh, and I do think that will be the same on Saturday. I expect him to have a big game against Oklahoma. Um, by the way, it's his probably one and only game in the Red River Showdown. Yep. And then this next question, is, we're going to follow up on that Catalan comment, is uh, from Derek, and he says, over, under, Catalan plays 40 plays. I'm going to say under because I just haven't seen it this year. I don't know what his snap count was against Bama. But the thing is, he could play 35 plays and have a massive impact on the game. Um, if there was a game for him to play more than 40, I would love for it to be Saturday with a week off after. Yeah, I think it's going to be under as well. Um, look, how many plays total is OU going to get? If they're in the 70 to 80 category, Texas has had a long day. Yeah. And that's that's the only way I think Catalan gets to over 40. Um, so it, there's a there's a give and take there of how many you want him to play. Definitely. And I do think Oklahoma will tempo some to keep Texas from no uh, doubt from no rotating doubt. players in the seat if those guys are they get tired in the fourth quarter because the one thing about having great depth 
is yes, you play a lot of players, but then what happens that game where those guys that are now accustomed to playing 50, 55 snaps actually have to do it. For sure. All right, y'all. This segment brought to you by Manscaped. And on that note, Jerry, I'm going to let you tell everybody about the good folks at Manscaped. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I got, got a bit of an issue here, uh, guys. <laughs> um, we have to come back to that in a second. Okay, I got it now. Sorry. Um, <laughs> a bit of a computer issue. We're brought to you today by Manscaped, who has taken a step up from the Balloween to bring you your face the cleanest shave it's ever seen. So this season, no need to toil and trouble. Manscaped's all-new handyman is the best way to get rid of that stubble. I did so yesterday. Featuring a compact design and next-gen skin-safe technology, the handyman was designed to give you that smooth finish without the mess of a traditional shave. Get the sweetest treat this Halloween by going to manscaped.com and use code ONTEXAS for 20% off plus free shipping. Um, and one, one thing I always say is, look, I'm, I travel a lot, right? For wet and dry use, uh, you feel free to bring this ev- anywhere and everywhere. The compact design and airplane friendliness make this the perfect travel tool for on the go and being able to shave three days of growth without the mess of a wet shave is priceless. And that's normally me. Three to four days is when I shave. And uh, so, yeah, the um, Manscaped, great products. My son uses them. I use them. Uh, I, in fact, I haven't met anybody lately that doesn't use Manscaped. Uh, again, go to On Texas. Uh, use the pro code On Texas for twenty percent off free shipping at Manscaped.com. Such so can't beat that deal. Okay, guys, right here on Coffee and Football, brought to you by Adam Lowe in the Lowy Law Firm. We got plenty of time to get your questions in, so please do so. And I am going to jump over to another super chat from Tango Lima Foxtrot. He says it's pronounced Lima, like I said Lima a second ago. And Lima Here's beans. Lima beans. Yeah, that's what, that's, what I, that's what I was thinking. But he says if Sanders can't go, how much Shantae Cook do you think we see in a four wide? Ooh. I got a thought on that. I think we're going to see more of John Tate Cook as the season moves along uh, because he's another big play threat. And Steve Sarkeesian, at his happiest, is stretching the field vertically from the most positions available on the field. That's just the reality for Sark, and I don't blame him. Um, and John Tate Cook's been very close two games in a row to scoring a touchdown and making a big, big play. And I think A.D. Mitchell going 10 for 140, Xavier Worthy sometimes needing a double, uh, all it does is open up Jonte Cook possibilities more. And him and Whittington are different. Whittington's got a very important role on this team, uh, but Whittington does not have that strike-up-the-band ability that Jonte Cook has, especially in a favorable matchup with A.D. Mitchell and Xavier Worthy attracting the top defenders. I I can't disagree with you. Um, and I do think we'll see him more and more. And I think we'll see more four receiver sets, like true four receiver sets uh, as we go into the year. Um, look, uh, the way he caught the ball. Uh, so the deep ball against Baylor, he was he was open. Quinn threw a great ball. The thing that impressed me about the catch against uh, Kansas last week, Jerry, was how clean he caught it and how quick he got into his run. That's all I was going to say. He turns some people catch. Yeah. Some people catch, gather, then run. He caught, gathered, and ran 
quickly. And that's gonna that that's a tough that's a tough ask for people to to have guys like A.D. Mitchell and um, Xavier Worthy on the field at the same time, and then get another guy one on one like that that might be able to crease you on a quick slant or a glance route, something like that. Um, and so I, maybe that's part of what Sark has planned. I, I just don't know. But I know that when he gets on the field, Sark's got plans for him, it looks like. It's almost like when Keelan Robinson comes on the field, something's going to happen that is somewhat surrounded by Keelan Robinson, right? It involves Keelan in some form or fashion 50% of the time at least. I go back to the the catch against Kansas, and I know it's different because the way defenses were defending him, a different point in the game. The catch against Rice where he caught the ball working across the middle and tried to get all the way outside the hash to the boundary. That works in high school. And he's proven to be a quick study. Like you said, Bobby, he didn't take – he didn't catch that pass and look left or right. He took off vertically. That's against Kansas, yes. Against Kansas, sorry. Against Rice, he did not. He started trying to work to the field, get to the boundary, make a big play. So he's proven to be a quick study and a guy who listens and learns because he's a very talented receiver. Very, very few humans can catch the ball where he did against Rice get to the sideline, turn up the boundary, and make a big play. So he's a quick study. Uh, he's listening to the staff, and he's learning, and that's a very good thing for Texas. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, ifs scenarios when it comes to Sanders. Ashton Holloman says, what are the chances that personnel groupings don't change if Sanders doesn't go Saturday? Gunner Helm is pretty good, too. They're going to change. Yeah. Um, so even if Gunner Helm is is – uh, pretty good, and he is. I, I agree with that. Um, he doesn't offer the same vertical threat, and so they're going to change, uh, period. Uh, doesn't mean that Texas won't go to Big 12 at times. They actually may use more Big 12 uh, personnel with two tight ends on the field because Helm is a better blocker right now than he is a receiving threat. Um, and so you may want to go strength on uh, – you may want to go with your strength. But I, I absolutely think if – I think personnel groupings change. I think even your big package on the goal line last week, we saw Juan Davis in the game on the goal line package last last week. So it will happen. Uh, there's no two ways about that, Ashton. So how, asking, how much and, and that sort of thing is questionable. Somebody's asking, does Juan Davis have downfield ability? I mean, nobody's JT Sanders is the issue after the catch. And and the, the other thing is you could sneak Juan Davis down the field, but here's the thing. Uh, Jatavion Sanders is feared. I think there's that. I, I really think that's the difference. And the reality is um, JT Sanders is could be an All-American, first, second team, third team, whatever you call it. Um, you don't replace those guys. And the way people look at you from a defensive coordinator perspective changes when that guy's not on the field. All right, y'all. This next question is a super chat from G Burnett. And bear with me here. He says, do you think it's likely Texas plays OU in the Big 12 championship game? I know Brett Yormark hopes that's not the case. <laughs> <laughs> that's the one reason I think that's the one reason I hope it happens. But I'll say this. Um, Kansas has about as good a schedule as you can to, to maybe make it. Um, if you look at their schedule. Obviously, they have UCF. Then they're at Oak State. I mean, that lines up pretty well. Oh, they have Oklahoma. 
Texas Tech, and Kansas State and Lawrence. I mean, if there's ever a schedule you want to have, if you're Kansas, this is it. You you have those three guys at home the second half of Big 12 play. Hey, let's talk a little bit about the Big 12 situation right now, by the way. Yeah, overall. I think there are really four true contenders for the title. Okay. Um, Texas, obviously. OU, obviously. KU and K-State, the other two. Yep. Everybody else, it's just not happening this year. The only other one that is playing up to par is West Virginia, but that's unlikely. Right. Okay. Um, TCU, Texas Tech, uh, those teams are on the outside looking in uh, just based on their early results, right? So if it's it's a four-team race for the Big 12, in my opinion. Uh, Texas and OU probably out front of K-State and KU right now. Uh, K-State has some time to fix its defense, Jerry. Uh, they don't have an offense problem. They have a defense problem in uh, in uh, Manhattan. And so I, I think people early in the year thought maybe they might be able to get there. Uh, we'll see if they have the, the the horses in the barn to, to make that a run. You know? Yeah, so Kansas State, they have – they have uh, they're at Oak State this weekend, but then they're at Tech, at Texas, at Kansas. Tough schedules. Um, Oklahoma, pretty favorable schedule at Kansas, Western Union at home, at BYU, at Oak State. I mean, I, I'll tell you what, though, somebody po- pointed out in the comments West Virginia's got the easiest schedule left in the Big 12, guys. Oh, do they really? Uh, let me read this schedule to you. At TCU, at Houston, Oak State, at UCF, BYU, at OU, Cincinnati, at Baylor. They don't have Kansas, Kansas State, or Texas. That's the most favorable schedule in the Big 12 to get to a championship. I, I watched their game against Tech, and I watched their game against TCU this week, or this past weekend, Jerry. They're good on the lines of scrimmage. So that's what they're getting away with right now. They're not necessarily – they have a good run game. They use the QB run. Uh, they also use uh, whichever quarterback they're playing. They played two different quarterbacks in the last two weeks. Um, and they, they're scoring in those 20, that 20 range and keeping opponents in that 20 range. Yeah. So that's that's what they're doing. They, they have a good defensive style now. I think they've improved on defense. And I think their offensive line is kind of leading the way. And they're leaning on a young man named C.J. Donaldson as a big runner for them. And I, look, I'm not sitting here saying West Virginia is going to get to the Big 12 title game. But what I am saying is their schedule, that's the one you'd want. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to try to get there uh, and you weren't one of those teams talked about or one of the teams talked about as the worst, um, that's the schedule to make a run. I mean, Kansas State's schedule is tough. At, at Texas, at, uh, at Kansas in two out of three weeks, right? They still play at Texas Tech, and they have TCU after that. I mean that's that's a that's a pretty tough schedule there for Kansas State, and I mean Kansas has a very favorable home schedule, but that also means they're playing tough teams at home. So are you going to drop another game somewhere along the line? Well, we'll see. West Virginia has the best schedule. Texas has the best team. Uh, we have a super chat here from Rudy Serda. We're gonna. It's a recruiting question. He says, "Did DeCorian Moore miss the Kansas game? Didn't hear about him post Kansas game." No, he was not at the game, and uh, currently, we'll see, not expected to be at Texas OU. We'll see what happens, but, uh, um, yeah, he was not at the game. And so that's an ongoing recruitment of 2025 that will go for a long while, as it was, regardless if he showed up or not. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. And then we have another super chat from Tango Lima Foxtrot. (laughs) (laughs) I want to thank him. He says, while I'm thinking about it, Bobby, I love ketchup on my corn dogs. Don't knock it till you try it. Guys. I don't know. This is just such a, I, I don't mind. I, I can live with ketchup. It's the mayonnaise that Jerry puts on them. that kills me. Um, uh, look, I mean, I, I grew up with mustard was the must. I put mustard on my hamburgers though too. So I, I, I get it, I guess, but uh, I'm not a big ketchup guy and I'm not a big, I'm definitely not a big mayonnaise guy. I cut Blake before next question, a couple of recruiting things I'm going to hit on. You don't have to bring them up. Uh, somebody's asking, is Texas still after Dominic McKinley? They're going to be in contact with him loosely. Is anything expected to happen? Not at this point. Um, somebody asked about Weston Davis. No, he was not in Austin last weekend. I think uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, what Texas does. If they take a try to take a fourth or fifth offensive lineman, they'll definitely sign for We're writing on DeAndre Carter right now, the Auburn commitment to see if he's going to stick with Auburn. Or make that flip to Texas. I think Texas will have a good idea in the next couple of weeks after his official okay. visit last week. And he's Auburn's only offensive line commitment. So Auburn's going to fight like hell to hold on to him, Bobby. The only offensive line commitment. So it sound, sound, tells me they're going heavy portal, first of all. Yes. He rebuilds this roster in his way to fit his scheme. Um, the other thing is Weston Davis. Did not make it in, but I'll tell you who's scheduled to be in to be in Dallas on Texas tickets this weekend is Jacob Ponton, the offensive tackle from Dripping Springs, committed to Texas Tech, who has pretty good senior film. He's an upside athlete at tackle. And- Ashton Holloman asking how many five stars in the class are you thinking today? You know, look, I'm not. Um, uh, we'll see. Yeah, <laughs> Jerry, there's two so far. Right. Colin Simmons and Brandon Baker, right? Yeah. 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 I mean, look, I think three to four is very doable. I'll just put it that way. Yeah. Maybe more. We'll see. And I'm going to ask this recruiting question. It is from Nate's Takes. He says, is there any recruiting impact from all these Bijan NFL highlights due to special? No, I don't think so. I mean, um, I think that stuff's already – that hay's already in the barn, honestly. Uh, went to the doke, what he did at Texas. Um, the other thing, though, I, you know what's crazy about recruiting? You know what helps recruiting more than Bijan? Jonathan Brooks, Cedric Baxter. It's the next guys. It's always the next guys, right? I mean, Ricky Williams had his impact. Um, 
for sure. But I, I think he was a very, very special player. Won a Heisman, Max first year. That thing lined up perfectly. Uh, but I think, look, Jonathan Brooks coming out and going for 1,400 yards, going in the draft and going in the third round, does as much for Texas recruiting as Bijan because it's continued Sark and Deshard Choice sitting there with chest stuck out saying, look, man, you come here, doesn't matter if you start as a freshman or not, you're going to get your turn, you're going to get your chance, we're going to put you in a position to succeed. We're producing NFL backs every year. We had two last year. We have one this year. Cedric Baxter, we think, is going to be a tremendous player. All right, Christian Clark, Jarrett Gibson, y'all have this chance. Now in 25, they're going to look at Harlem Berry from New Orleans, who's scheduled to be at the game Saturday, who's a different back. And they're going to their lead for Jordan Davison at modern day. And they're going to be like, look, guys, here's what happens. Y'all come here. Every back that carries the football for us is getting drafted. To me, that's bigger than any one Bijan, the Bijan highlights in the NFL now. It's what you're doing in the college level to, to get these guys to the NFL. And it's clear he's got a plan to play more than one. Yeah. like that, That's the other thing. If I'm looking at that and I'm a Trey Wisner, for example, or Jaden Blue, it's clear Texas is going to play more than one running back. Right? Um, they did it last year with Bijan and Roshan. They're doing it this year with two totally different guys. And I think that matters in recruiting. Um, and so uh, I do I do believe that uh, Bijan being on highlight reels helps a little bit just with notoriety that a Texas player is doing well in the NFL uh, and is actually starring to some degree. Uh, but I don't know that it's an overwhelming factor. Not as much as, to Jerry's point, Jonathan Brooks being on a, a, a run rate right now at a 1,700 yards rushing. That's that or fifteen hundred or whatever it is. That's a little bit different. Uh, we got a super chat from UT boy. He says, "Family, hook them." So good morning <laughs> to you, UT boy. Morning. He liked what you said about Jonte earlier, Jerry. Yeah, yeah. Hey, by the way, somebody was joking and saying, "Is anybody going to score on Duncanville this year?" Look, I mean, Sock scored thirteen, but his point is Rockledge forty-four nothing, Lakeridge seventy-six nothing, Cedar Hill fifty-six nothing. Um, Watch will put some points on the board against Duncanville Friday. I would say now if Colin Simmons and Alex January are listening to this uh, by chance, they should be in class. But if they're listening to this, they may take issue with that. Or Mike January uh, throws that message out to Alex and those guys. But Watsatchee's a good team. They're four and one. Um, but look, Duncanville has three shutouts in a row. Uh, those three, the one against Cedar Hill, I mean, 56 nothing. That just shows you how much things change on I 20. When Joey McGuire was at Cedar Hill, they were getting a lot more players. But amazing things happen when you in, in along I-20 and in recruiting in general, recruiting in high school recruiting. I don't want to say that. Kids moving to different schools when you don't pass your bonds for upgraded facilities, new stadiums, crazy things tend to happen. Hey, I want to say I want to I want to go uh, away from this a little bit and talk about this ESPN computer model. Y'all mind doing that for a no, second? I would love to. We didn't mention this out of the gate, and it's something that just struck struck me. Um, uh, long story short, ESPN comes out with its computer models. They have they have right now OU with a fifty one percent, fifty point nine percent chance of uh, basically um, beating the Longhorns. So they're favoring it. Meanwhile, uh, we have Vegas making Texas. A two and a, a four and a half point favorite. 
I mean, I, I'm not is sure how we six and a half. Is it four down the four it's and a half? Down to four and a half. Yeah. So uh, as of this morning, that's what I read. Uh, so my point is, where did the two meet? I mean, what what is the? I, I, we need to get it. We need to talk to somebody that really knows betting and gambling. Like, how does an ESPN model, a predictive model, uh, choose uh, OU? I, like, who wins if the what? Where's the seven percent? Uh, by the way, the line's back to six and a half. I thought I looked at that. Oh, week. is it really? Yeah. Which for your Texas fans, that means tells you they think JT Sanders is playing. By the way, um, six and a, that's a big difference to me when I saw six and a half versus the ESPN. I, I don't know. I'm not much on the, I, and I'm not disrespecting. I'm not much on the FPI and that stuff. I, I'm just a little different, and that doesn't mean I don't look at it. And but I, I don't know, man. I mean. I think analytics and all that stuff has its place, but um, you know Texas is the better team than Oklahoma going into the game, and and the the, the predictor saying Oklahoma is the better team than Texas, and that's just not the case going into the game. That that predictor is wrong right now. Texas is the better team going into the game. Does that mean they're going to win the game? It does not. Um, that's what gets me about this. Texas game. is the better team going into the game, but it doesn't matter. That that's the whole. I mean, it does matter, but it doesn't. Yeah. Um. Uh. The the what the reason I say that, Jerry, is because I've been to too many of these, and that's the killer about this game. You can think one team is definitely a better team, and then all of a sudden you show up in Dallas, a a football bounces the wrong way or hits off of somebody's shoulder pad or whatever, and it's just a different a different game. Yeah. You know, and and that's. That's, That's true. The thing about that, we can talk about it all we want, and it, it's frustrating to me in some ways. But it it is the Texas OU game to to the absolute core. Anything can happen in Dallas. Anything. Well, yeah, that's true. Uh, but talking about just talking about the this the the predictor. Um, look, it, it's kind of like uh, the one of the things I really truly laugh at right now in sports is. The whole book of when to go for two in football. I look at that and say, the hell, you're a freaking coach. You're supposed to have a feel and know when to go for two and when to kick the damn extra point. (laughs) If you need a book to tell you, then you aren't very good in a game having a feel for the game, being on top of your team in the game, understanding the situation. I just look at it and I, I just it blows my mind sometimes, guys. I, it, who needs a book to tell you when to go for two? Well, here's the, here's the big one. Been coaching football for thirty freaking years. <laughs> a book may be one page, by the way. But hey, I don't need a book to tell me what questions to ask Devin Sanchez at North Shore. <laughs> I understand that, Jerry. Let me ask you this though. The bigger one for me is this going on fourth down these days. Yeah. That that is the that's the it's not so much the going for two. It's when should I go for it on fourth down? What's the what do the models say? Um <laughs> Tom Ehrman's ears are burning. That's so true. My my point is I think there's more uh, questions surrounding that. I mean, you're you're on your own 40 and you're playing OU and it's fourth and one. Do you go for it or not? Um, I bet Lance Leipold wishes he wouldn't have went for it. 
last week. You know what I mean? Uh, on on that fourth and one, in retrospect, it, it it's a it's a big it. Those are bigger plays, in my opinion, than the than the uh, than the uh, two point conversions. Everybody's asking if I have had mayo today. No, <laughs> this is what everybody you went asking. off there. I don't know what got into you. You like I, that the, the whole. I don't know. Some of the analytics stuff, the computer models, all of it drives me crazy because, look, this is, you know, we sit here and say, what makes Jalen Catalan such a great player? It's his instincts. What makes Jalen Ford such a great player? It's his instincts. We're trying to take instincts out of coaching. What the hell are you doing? <laughs> uh I, look, I'm going to say this. There are some there are some Astros fans out there that want to take some instincts out of Dusty Baker on a regular Baker, a regular basis. So I, I, th- I think you can have instincts matched with data. I don't think they necessarily have to be a part. And that's the biggest thing for me is, you know, if they're matching up, then go with it. If they're not, then think about it. That's fine. But I think that ultimately you have to go, uh, you have to go with whatever you got. And um, I think that, that that's kind of what comes down to the, to the great coach versus the good coach, you know, and separates winning teams from great teams uh, and mediocre ones as well. Oh, man. Hey, Jerry, real quick. Uh, I thought this and I had to start and queue it up for you. It says they put mayo on everything down here in Argentina. French fries, milanesa, corn. <laughs> Find your place to live, man. Well, man, I don't do that. Uh, it was like I've been a, a the corn dog thing from when I was a little kid, man. You know, you just put them in the microwave for an hour, for a minute and twenty five seconds, dip them in a little mayo. Since I was a little kid, and move on. That's really the only thing I'm a mayo person on. Otherwise, I don't have it in my diet at all. Hey guys, we need to say thanks real quick to uh, Adam Lowy and the Lowy Law Firm. Uh, Adam and his group uh, have been helping injured Texans for a couple of decades now. Uh, give them a uh, shout 512-280-0800 or visit lowylawfirm.com. Uh, Adam, if you've been in a car wreck and, and seriously injured or on the job and think you might be due, cons- uh, due some kind of compensation, give Adam a shout for a free consultation. No no strings attached. Uh, visit him at lowylawfirm.com or, go to fi- or, or call 512-280-0800. Uh, you also think we appreciate Adam and his sponsorship. Not only is he a sponsor of coffee and football, but he also does state of the program, which is coming up uh, today at noon. And then also he's doing rapid reactions this year as well. Uh, we appreciate his ongoing sponsorship, not only of uh, on Texas football, but he's also a major sponsor of UT athletics as, as well. Uh, appreciate him and his time. Yes, we definitely want to thank Adam Lowy and the Lowy Law Firm. All right, y'all. Um, real quick, just to answer this question, Nate Takes says, with thank you and your mark in attendance, your mark will not be in attendance. We discussed that yesterday. So just, just so you know. And then this next question is a good one, guys. Uh, Synthetic Gaming Network says, who has to play better for us to win, offense or defense? Defense in this game. Um, defense on the line of scrimmage against the run. Uh, if you can make Oklahoma one-dimensional, then you're in you're in business in this game. Bobby? I, I would say that, too. I, I think that, uh, that you got to match strength with strength, right? OU's offense is the strength of their team at this point. Um, your defense comes to play, keeps them 
in the 20 point range, like they've been kept at Cincinnati and SMU, uh, things can change. And I think that's important. So uh, defense comes to play. Texas keeps him in the 20s. That's the recipe for a Texas win on Saturday. Then the next question from Mike Bass says, are you guys worried about our secondary? Any reason for concern with that group? Absolutely. Yeah, I am. I am. Uh, I think, Bobby, we're going to have the same answer. Look, I mean, um, Jason Bean's experienced player. He's not Jalen Daniels. Um, this week, you know, Dylan Gabriel, it's the best quarterback Texas has played. Uh, it's the best down-the-field offense Texas has played. I mean, some people would say, well, Jalen Miller has a big arm, and Alabama has Isaiah Bond in, in, in the, uh, the slot receiver, I think, is tremendous over there. But – Jalen Milrow is also not a real accurate quarterback and not a guy that can actually pick you apart if given time. That's not Jalen Milrow's MO. Um, while Dylan Gabriel may not have an NFL arm, he has NFL accuracy if given time. And so absolutely, if Texas does not get pressure on him, uh, Dylan Gabriel can make big plays because they will attack the right people in this game. They'll attack the correct people if Gabriel has time. I agree. I, I think the safeties are the issue. Um, uh, speed, lack of speed at corner, if uh, Ryan Watts is in, can be an issue. Um, and I, I think that's, you know, OU is going to try to get vertical on Texas. They're going to try to do deep digs. They're going to try to get one-on-one -on -one matchups. Um, I'm interested to see what Texas can do. Uh, Farouk is the one receiver they have right now, Jerry, Jarrell Farouk that I think um, poses a physical issue for Texas downfield. So the only one that really worries me in that regard, it's him, but the speed of all of them, with the exception of Drake Stoops, who I think is kind of that underneath route runner, uh, that, that, those are the ones that, that worry me the most, I think, uh, is getting vertical and then Farouk uh, in space, uh, trying to make people miss, maybe uh, shirking a tackle in the open field. Now we have a super chat from Jimmy Trevino. Thank you, Jimmy. He says, some insight from a degenerate. UT opened at a five-and-a-half-point favorite. That didn't last long. It's been up and down from seven to six-and-a-half in Texas' favor. ESPN's generator uses score differential. Well, I mean, that would make sense because I, I will say that OU's score differential right now is amazing. Yeah. I, mean, I, I looked at this yesterday, guys. Uh, right now... OU is averaging right now 47 points a game yeah, and 10.8 points given up. They are scoring, on average, 37 points more than their opponents. So if it, if it, if you, if ESPN uh, uses uh, score differential, that would make a lot of sense. But 37 points is a, a big differential. Even though Texas has not had a single uh, game end with uh, less than a double-digit win. Texas is only averaging 24 more points there than their opponent. OU averaging 37 more points than their opponents. All right. And then we have a super chat here from H. Baum Horn. He says, will PK spy Gabriel? No, I don't think so. I, I don't think this is a game you spy the quarterback. I don't think he's that type of quarterback. Um what you want to do with Dylan Gabriel is you, you just want to pressure him one and you want to use Jalen Ford and coverage two against him. 
Um, that's the that's the whole key with Gabriel is and is you get pressure on him so he cannot get the ball down the field and that, you don't have to have a big arm to get the ball down the field. You just have to have an accurate arm of good timing. Um, so I think the more pressure they get um, is going to be the key here consistently. Uh, but I don't think you spy, spy Gabriel. If it comes to a point where you're having to spy Gabriel, the game's not going well. And then one more super chat, y'all, from this one from Travis Earl. Thank you, Travis. He says, could we see Derek Williams play more due to his speed? They have not trusted him early against – they didn't trust him at all against Bama, which I thought was unfortunate. But, you know, given the situation in his youth, second game of his career, I get it. They didn't trust him till the fourth quarter when the lead opened up a little bit against Kansas. Um, and so, Travis, that's a good question. I don't know if he's all of a sudden made this leap where they're going to trust him more earlier in the game. We'll see. We'll see. The one thing they can't they, – I'm sure the reason why he doesn't play early, they can't allow a coverage bust early in games. You know, and that is more likely, it's just the fact, it's more likely to happen with a young guy than an older guy. And so that's probably what it is. He's the last line of defense, right? I mean, that's that's just reality. All right, our next question is from E. Kim. And he says, good morning from Rockford, Illinois. Who will get the most sacks and turnovers for Texas? Jalen Ford for turnovers. That's my That's my guess. Sack, I'm thinking sack fumble though this this time instead of uh, just a true INT. Um, Jerry, I'm I'm gonna go. Man, I'm gonna go. Who do who do you think is gonna get the most sacks? There's so many guys to pick from. I mean, Texas had so many guys get pressure. Who are you gonna go with? Yeah, um, I probably I I I think Sorrell's gonna have a really good game. I'm not sure if that's going to be pressures versus sacks. Um, I'm actually going to go Anthony Hill with two. That would make sense. They're going to try to do something. I, I will say this. They'll try to fake Anthony Hill out at some point in time. They'll, Jeff Levy will try to get him thinking one way and then go the opposite way of him. Uh, don't don't be surprised if that happens. Because they, they know Texas. That, that's the one thing about OU Texas. The, and you saw it in Brent, Brent Venable's press conference yesterday, Jerry, if you watched it, they know each other's personnel really well. Yeah. These coaches know who, who OU recruited. Te OU knows who Texas recruited. He can sit there and list Anthony Hill, Quinn Ewers, Jonathan Brooks. They saw them all. Yeah. They, they remember, they know what they can do and they know whether they're young or old, you know, and, and so you'll, that's one of the things that's really interesting about this game all the time, too. Is now, the coaches know the personnel, not now, the players. The one thing I will say, um, the one thing I, I went off on the analytics as far as coaching in this game, in this the decisions and indecision, right? Uh, the one thing now is there's enough tape, or to me, I think analytics are, are, are valuable. There's enough tape on all some of these young players now. There's 20-something or how, whatever, how many plays are there of Anthony Hill right now uh, where you would put on the, the good tape, the bad tape of him. All right, this is where teams have got him. All right, this is where teams have not had success against him. There's starting to be enough tape where they can break down situations. Okay, if we get him in this situation, we have an advantage versus 
the opposite. So that's that's the uh, the tendencies data, as Ryan Nelson said. I think I think is is very valuable. Uh, I wasn't using the correct word. The tendencies data I think is very valuable in sports uh, more than a straight up analytics. So there's enough tape getting around on some of these young players now, or some of these teams now, to where we see after five games who's going to keep adjusting, who has who has a counter for something if a tendency shows up and Oklahoma stops one of your tendencies early on or attacks one of your tendencies, who has the most counters? That's a come becomes big this part of the season. All right. Time for a few more questions here on coffee and football presented by Adam Lowy of the, and the Lowy law firm. And this one from longest horn says I was ready to replace Jake majors after the Rife game. I'm sorry. Could y'all talk a little bit about his improvement? I think it's been the improvement of the people next to him, too. Um, that That's one of the things that's un, unheralded, really. I mean, DJ Campbell was playing his first game as a starter. I mean, he's getting his sea legs right now. Yeah. Um, Hayden Connor uh, did not play well against Rice. Uh, Jake Majors didn't play well against Rice. Um, and so I think the three of them now have five games together as starters under their belt. Just like a year ago, it took... I mean, Cole Hudson wasn't great out of the box with those those two either. Neither was Hayden Connor. Um, I think that that Jake has cut down on some pre-snap issues, although I will say we've now had two weeks in a row where Jake has had a pre-snap issue and then a snap issue. So we don't want this to become a trend with him. Uh, so that's something that, that I'll be watching, and I think Texas fans should be aware of. The uh, last thing you need is a bad snap when it's uh, – third and goal on the one right against OU. Um, and so uh, be aware of that. Uh, but I think that he's just learning the game better, becoming more uh, conscious the uh, of the things around him. He's keeping his eyes up and pass protection much better. I mentioned this in the post game show uh, on Quinn. If you go back and watch Quinn Ewers touchdown run against Kansas, that was only possible because Jake majors kept his head up just enough to get a piece of the oncoming uh, linebacker uh, that was would have had a free shot at Quinn Ewers otherwise. And Quinn stepped left and then found a lane to run. Jake Majors did that. And I, I was really impressed by it. That improving in pass pro changes things. At this next one is from Marcellus Wallace. I like the name. Jake Content. Uh, can you guys discuss the importance of having the level of talent this team has and practicing and competing against it every day? Just look at Bama, Georgia, Ohio State, et cetera. We talk about this all the time with Drew Kelson and Rod Babers, right? Yep. Um, it, it definitely look, I mean, I've said this, I, I've said this before about just looking at the running back situation. Center Baxter, Baxter starts as, as a true freshman, right? He has a great fall camp. He starts. Jonathan Brooks, do guys pout? No, that pushes you forward, right? So now Jonathan Brooks is having a great season, right? And I think there was some chess involved in that early in the season. Five-star running back, freshman starter comes in, very smart, very good. Also, the chess part of that, Jonathan Brooks comes in and hits you after you're already a little bit winded starting possessions, right? Uh, but now Jonathan Brooks is having a great season. What is that going to do? That pushes Cedric Baxter to get better. And that's not play-to-play -play in practice necessarily. It's just in general. Um, I, I think, uh, look. How you carry yourself in the offseason. 
yeah. how you attack the weight room in season. I agree. I mean, it, competing is not just on Saturday. Yeah. And look, the other thing is well, offensive line, DJ Campbell's better going up against Sweat and Murphy every day. I mean, there's no doubt about it. I mean, that that's just that's just the reality of it. I mean, you think about the two five stars committed, Brandon Baker and Colin Simmons. They're going to make each other better in practice. Brandon Baker's played against great competition at modern day. He hasn't gone up every day multiple times against a, a talent like Colin Simmons. Colin Simmons is a state champion at 22 and a half sacks last, last year at Duncanville. He has not play in, play out, and practice gone up against the pass protection talent with size like Brandon Baker. So it absolutely makes a difference. Um, it absolutely pushes these guys, like Bobby said, every day, not just on practice field, not just on Saturday. Uh, but that's really that's really what happens. I mean, that's really when you're at your best. Um, the thing probably talked about least is the day-to-day -day competition. And it's, hey, that could be competition in film room too, guys. Like, if you're the second team D-line guy or the second team corner guy, and you're the first, you want to be the first one to point out in film session, all right, hey, here's what they're doing and this is why. Because the coaches say, okay, this guy's taking this really serious. So it doesn't even have to be what you're seeing on the field. It can be in a film room. I get it. I agree. I I next, next question is an easy one from Tyler. He says, weather is in the 60s at kickoff. Do I go short or long sleeve shirt for game day? I think it's whether I think it's whether you're under that second deck, sitting under that second deck. Could be a little bit of a factor there. How much sun are you getting? Saturday morning when that game starts, how early are you going to be out walking around at the Cotton Bowl Saturday? Are you going to go out there saying hi to Lee Corso? Because it'd be a little chilly. I've got to say this: wear a hat. Um, I'm I look my first two my first two Texas OU games as a student. I literally came back and when I say I was beat red for the next two weeks, I looked like a lobster. Uh, that sun can beat down on you in Dallas. There's no cover. Uh, wear, wear a hat, whether you wear long sleeve or short sleeves, up to you. But, man, yeah, you know, protect the face because I, I literally peeled all over my back. And uh, it was just – it was brutal. Or back of my neck. Uh, Corey, Corey J. asked if Texas is still in contact with Don McKinley. I mentioned this earlier. You don't have to bring it up, Blake. Uh, they're lightly in contact with him, and nothing's moving at this point. All right, y'all. We got a super chat here from Antonio Harris. Thank you, Antonio. He says, with emotions high, run the ball. SMU had these guys on skates. Let Campbell punish them early. Hook them, Longhorn Nation. Look, I I agree. I agree. I mean, I, this is a game. This is a line of scrimmage uh, game more so than some years for me uh, because Texas has a decided advantage. Uh, it's year three for Sark. It's year two for Venables. Uh, Sark is a year ahead building this thing to be SEC ready. And that means bigger guys, larger humans on the offensive and defensive line. Oklahoma knows they're at a disadvantage on the defensive line going in this game. That's why it's going to make, that's why I think Venables is going to throw the kitchen sink at this game. He knows if you just try to play man up and you lose, not a good look for your fan base. They're not going to accept that. Well, you have to be aggressive. You have to bring it. I agree with you, Jerry. I mean, he, he can't go in this and – he wants to be in a game in the fourth quarter. And the, the way to do that is to mess with Texas for three quarters. Yeah. And, and not, not have them 
knowing what they're going to do and score enough points. I, 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 and to the point running the football, I mean, so some people say, well, if Venables is going to blitz a lot, you get into the Big 12 package. I think when Texas is in the Big 12 package, that's exactly when Venables is going to bring corner blitzes, nickel, nickel, whatever. He's going to bring it from outside to get pressure. That's what he's going to do. You're not going to if, – if Texas is in the Big 12 package, I don't think you're bringing pressure from tackle to tackle in those situations. That's when you bring the house from different areas and you do not let Quinn – because what Texas is looking to do in the Big 12 package is longer developing pass plays. How do you take that away if you're Brent Venables? You bring blitzes off the edges and don't let Quinn step up and climb the pocket and get comfortable and let those longer developing plays happen. That's where you have to take risks if you're Venables, as against that Big 12 package against the pass. All right, so we got time for like one or two more questions. Uh, this one from Bobby Brown says, with what's going on with the kicking game, do we go for it more this week, especially on their side of the field? I love how Oregon goes for two. Well, I think, uh, look, I think you got to know your team. This kind of goes back to my rant about uh, having a book of when to go for two um, and when to kick field goals. Look, I, if you don't have – I watched the Texas-Kansas game again. Even on a PAT, the snaps were not good a couple of times. If you're snapping the ball well, it makes it a lot easier to trot out your field goal unit. If you continue to have some snap issues, it makes it a little more difficult outside 40 yards, Bobby, for outside 45 yards. Because as Coach Irwin said on the coach with, uh, live lunch with the coach, that kicker, no, he's got he he has his plant foot. If that if that holder has to move that ball an inch because a snap was high, low, late, whatever, that affects your kicking game. Uh, so to me, it really comes down on your snap accuracy of when to decide if you're going to kick field goals outside forty yards right now, unless you have Mister Automatic. I would say this uh, about taking points in the Texas OU game points are at a premium uh, always the thing that I would say is that more so in any game I've ever seen fourth downs are huge momentum changers mm -hmm. I mean huge um, and I and I say that for for this reason I've seen Stoops go for it on fourth and two and completely change and made it because he drew Texas offside and made it a bigger game, a, a bigger lead. I've seen OU go for it on fourth down and come up short and Texas goes down and immediately scores. This game and fourth down in it takes on such a big, it, it is an oversized value on fourth down. These games can change. It's not just going for it on fourth and one. I mean, it, this is it, – it's bigger than that in this game. And so taking points, if you're winning, is not a bad thing. I'm just going to say that. Um, so if you're up by seven and it's fourth and one on the eight, you better take your points. That's my, that's my, my thought process. Um, you do not, do not want to uh, – be anything other than that. So, so hey, somebody just had a good question. Hajoli Freehold, when was the last time Texas won and burnt orange unis? 
Charlie, no clue. What what's what odd year have they won? Because that's the answer. When's the last odd year they won? Yeah, let's go back and look here in just a second. I'll look that up while y'all answer the super chat. How about that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the, uh, the Commodian with super chat says Murphy had, had his lowest snap count this year against Kansas. Are they saving him to destroy Oklahoma? I feel like they, Dylan Gabriel will be running for his life. Hook him and OU still sucks. Well, OU definitely still sucks. How about the rest of it? <laughs> what y'all want to talk about the rest of it? Um, I don't think they were saving him. At all, I think Kansas had 42 snaps overall, and he got 18 of them. Now, Tavondre Sweat had 28. So, well, yeah. yeah. Uh, by the way, so, 20, 2015 is that answer. Last okay. time Texas won in Orange Unis for all yeah. the people. On, that, that's been a long time, guys. Yeah, um, yeah uh, saving snaps. I mean, look, here's the thing with, with Byron Murphy. He, he's not a – twitched up explosive pass rusher from the interior. They have to create pass rush from the interior as a whole. That means it's Sweat, Murphy, Collins, all beating man, all getting feet on the other side of the line of scrimmage, right? Um, creating enough disruption as a group. Not, not, the interior guys, Sweat and Murphy, they're not, we're not talking about Aaron Donald twitched up pass rushers here. So they have to create it together. They have to collapse the pocket together. Then if you can start collapsing that pocket and that quarterback has to buy time, one of your D linemen gets that time to make that extra snap and close on the football and get a sack. Uh, but this isn't blow-by sack defensive line on the interior. They're, that's not what Texas is. It's more work-together collapse pocket interior. Okay, guys. Well, Bobby, before we go, what can people expect today right here on On Texas Football? Yeah, Eric Nolene and I are going to do state of the program. We got some, uh, Eric has some things he wants to talk about uh, with Texas fans uh, as it relates to the overall situation right now at Texas. Um, and then uh, I've got Mike Perrin, uh, the former University of Texas athletic director, uh, played in this game three times, I believe, Texas OU. Uh, and uh, he is a big friend and a big fan of the uh, University of Texas is going to talk with him about uh, suiting it up in the Cotton Bowl and what it meant for him playing under Daryl Royal. Uh, he, a lot of older guys will remember Mike, so I uh, hope you guys enjoy that. Uh, and then tonight uh, we come back with the uh, live stream uh, on Wednesday night. Uh, Ray Peters hosts along with uh, Rod Babers and Justin Wells. Justin seems to be a fan favorite, uh, so it should be fun. And then tomorrow we have Josh McQuiston joining us. Josh is the uh, reporter for Soonerscoop.com. Uh, we're going to go a little in deep uh, with him and see what the other side thinks about this Texas OU game uh, as well. Uh, other no news and notes, uh, please remember, we have the uh, special going on at Inside Texas right now. Two months for $1. That's two months for $1. If you're a new subscriber only, it's a, tri it's a trial subscription. Make sure you use promo code OTFIT23. That's otfit 23 and you have to select uh, that monthly offer Blake that's right all right guys well thank everybody for tuning in we definitely appreciate it thanks for all the super chats of course we want to thank Adam Lowy and the Lowy Law Firm Caldera Lab and Manscaped as well for all being sponsors today and uh, for Bobby Burton and Jerry Hamilton I'm Blake Monroe and we'll see you tomorrow morning it's 922 <laughs> <laughs>